the Bible Study Podcast, episode 254. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Samuel with chapter 12. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall we left last week with David having sinned, David having seen Bathsheba while she was bathing from the roof of the palace after he had not gone out with the army as kings were wont to do. And he then has sex with her. She gets pregnant. He tries to cover it up by having her husband come back and sleep with her, but he refuses to do so because he keeps thinking about his friends up there at the front line. And so David finally has him killed. He sends him into battle and tells Joab it wouldn't be such a bad thing if the army were to pull back and he were to die in the heat of the battle. And so at the end of the last chapter, chapter 11, it looked like David had gotten away with it. Uriah had died, his wife Bathsheba had mourned him, and then when her mourning was over, David took her and married her and brought her and her child then into the palace. And as far as we could tell at that point, David has gotten away with this, but the last line of that chapter was, what David did displeased God. And so this week is where, as it were, the chickens come home to roost, if we say in colloquial English. Second Samuel 12, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. So Nathan goes and tells David that basically God knows what he did. God saw this and God wasn't pleased. But he tells David this in the sideways kind of way. He surprises David into condemning the man who ends up being himself by telling this story about a rich man and a poor man. But as God looked at David's situation, as Nathan looks at David's situation, as we look at David's situation, we see how much God had given David. And Nathan brings this to David's attention and says, look, you were a shepherd and you were given the kingdom of Israel. You were given the kingdom of Judah. You were given all of this. You were given wives, you were given riches, you were given prosperity, you were given success, all of these things. And I love the line that says, and if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. God is saying, with you, David, I have been greatly generous. 
I protected you from Saul. I made you king. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And he said, I loved you and I would have given you even more. How is it then you take the wife of Uriah? How is it then that you kill Uriah? And as far as God is concerned, the Ammonites didn't kill Uriah. David did. David wasn't there. David didn't hold the sword. David had it done. But it's clear where the guilt lies. The guilt lies with David. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And so David's own words then, that when he hears this story about somebody who just took a lamb, and he is so angry against this man that he says this man must die. As surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over. And then Nathan says to him, you're the man. You've condemned yourself. Because when you hear the story, which is not even as bad as what you did, you are filled with righteous indignation. Can you imagine how God feels about what you just did? And by the way, he saw it. And Nathan goes on. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So, This is a foreshadowing of something that's going to happen here in the end of the book. And this is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with one of David's sons, Absalom. And we'll save that until it happens. But he says, what you did in secret, sleeping with another man's wife, someone from your own household will do in public with your wives. So now we've got two different punishments that have been given to David so far. One is... Because he killed Uriah with the sword of the Ammonites, the sword will never depart his house. And two is, because you took another man's wife, someone will take your wives. It will be from your own household, and it will be very, very public. And David, at this point, realizes what is true. I have sinned against the Lord. And I think at this point that David really does see. I think the scales fall off, and he realizes what he did. At least I'm going to give him that credit because I know that God could tell one way or another. And what Nathan says afterwards is this. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Now, this is the hardest part of this whole chapter, but I think it's an important Lesson, and it's an important part of this chapter and of this book and of the Bible. So, first of all, David's judgment on this man was that he should die. And this man being him, Nathan basically says, You stood under the judgment that I could just say, You're going to die. Lord could just kill you. But he says, No, I have taken away your sin. This is interesting. So, God has forgiven David. But the son will die. Now, how can this be? How can it be that both of those things are true? When I do prison ministry, this is a story that I like to tell. And I like to tell this for a couple reasons, this whole story, chapter 11 and chapter 12. 
One is that David is a man after God's own heart. And David is somebody who, even with that, he still falls. He still sins. And God forgives him. And he sins in a big way. Adultery and murder. Right? This isn't just somebody who's cheating on his taxes, but someone who commits what we would consider, those of us who haven't murdered, or at least who haven't murdered by the Old Testament definition. And let's get into the New Testament definition in a little bit. For those of us who haven't murdered, we think of that as a big thing. And so we look at this story and we see that David screws up, but it's not the end of God's relationship with David. It doesn't end here. One, he doesn't die. And two, his God doesn't turn his back on him. But even with that, there are consequences of the sin. Because even if David is forgiven by God, Uriah is still dead, right? Our sin affects other people. And sometimes it affects them in irreversible ways. And so in this particular case, God said the consequence of David's sin will be that this son will die. Even though Nathan says the Lord has taken away your sin and you're not going to die. The rest of the story is interesting. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, he put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David has some understanding of God that is useful for us to understand. One is David understands that God does sometimes change his mind. And he tries to intercede for this child. God has said the child will die, but David fasts and prays for seven days. In this particular case, it doesn't change God's mind. But David thought it was worth a try. David, who is sorry, as far as we can tell, for what has happened, who wants God to be merciful to this child, prays and goes without food, and everybody is afraid that when they tell him the news the child is dead, that he's going to commit suicide or something. What is he going to do? What drastic thing is he going to do? But at this point, he says, well, it's done then. At this point, God decided I could not change his mind, and then he goes on with life. But when he goes on with life, what's the first thing that he does. Did you notice? He gets up, he changes his clothes, and he goes and worships. 
Then he goes to his own house and they serve him food. How is it that David at this point, his first response is worshiping God? Why is it that David isn't mad at God for what God has done? Well, one is David understands why this has happened. This isn't what God has done. This is what David has done. The child dies as the result of David's sin. And David does not seem to blame God in this. David continues to worship God. God doesn't break his relationship with David, nor does David at this point stop his relationship with God. There are times in our life where we sin. There are times that we fall. That doesn't have to be the end of our relationship with God. There are times when we sin and there are consequences for those that we love, for those that we don't love. That doesn't have to be the end of things. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. And Jedidiah means loved by the Lord. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Reba of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Joab sent messengers to David, saying, I have fought against Reba and taken its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city, and it will be named after me. So David mustered the entire army and went to Reba and attacked and captured it. David took the crown from their king's head, and it was placed on his own head. It weighed a talent of gold, and it was set with precious stones. David took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes. And he made them work at brickmaking. David did all this to the Ammonite towns. Then he and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. So two little stories here at the end of this chapter. Let's do with the second one first. This war that was going on where Uriah got killed in the middle of it finishes. And it finishes in triumph for Joab and for David. I love the little thing from Joab here that, you know, if you don't get here, I'm going to name the town. I'm going to take the town and name it after me. And... David comes and David gets the glory and all of that. But uh, Joab was at this point almost telling David, your place is here and I want you here. But that other thing before there, verses 24 and 25. Now, David slept with another man's wife and had that man killed. David is an adulterer. And yet David stays married to Bathsheba loves her, makes love to her, they give birth to a son, Solomon, that of all the kids he have, this is the one who is going to succeed him. This is the one who will be king after him. And the Lord loved him. I think it's an interesting verse to look at as we think about some of the verses in the Bible about adultery, because we're told that adultery is sin. And I think that is true. In fact, in the Catholic Church, obviously, if, if you divorce and remarry, you can't take communion because it's considered sin. Well, David here has stolen another man's wife, had him killed, married him, and yet the Lord has blessed this marriage and loves the child of it. I don't think that means that what David did was right. I think that means that when God says that it's wrong for us to get divorced, I think he means that. I think that God intends that every marriage lasts until death. 
and not the death the kind of the way that Uriah did. But I think it also tells us that God loves us and that God wants what is best for us and that if we do sin, if we do fail, if we fall short, even in our marriages, that there is still reconciliation, that there is still forgiveness. Because there is in this situation. And then one other thing to remind us is David was a murderer and he was an adulterer. As Jesus defines murder and adultery, he also says, remember, that when you look at someone with hate, you've committed murder. When you look at a woman with lust, for instance, you've committed adultery. So it's useful for us to know that there is forgiveness in this situation. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And by the way, my apologies for last week. I understand that the episode of the Bible Study Podcast came out as an episode of The Amateur Traveler, and that has been fixed. And my apologies with putting out three podcasts a week. Occasionally, the wrong file goes into the wrong place. And my apologies, and thanks so much for listening. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.